Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt, and this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Very interesting scenario here. Rick is in town for Thanksgiving. We thought it'd be great to have you on the podcast live, so we weren't doing this from West Palm and uh, and Jersey. So uh, welcome to the studio, Rick. I love what you've done with the place here, Rob. Very, very classy. You've really classed this place up. You know, class, 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 yes, baby. Well class, done. class, class, class. Well done. Yeah. And uh, great job hosting a fantastic Thanksgiving, a great turkey day, gobble, gobble. Here we are and uh, ready to dive into episode 53, I believe. 53. This is a unique one that we're doing here because it's not based around football, baseball, basketball, hockey. This is actually something that we took part in that uh, goes on in November of every year, except for this year except for COVID, it was canceled. And if you're not clicking on what it is right now, it's actually the New York City Marathon. That's right. The New York City Marathon has been going on for 50 years. It started in 1970 in New York City. It is a grueling marathon. Of course it started in New York City. Well, where else would it start? Well, that's what I'm saying. It started in New York. You didn't have to say that. I think I had to... What are they going to start in, started in Milwaukee? Sometimes things relocate, but in this instance, it has always been in New York City. Okay, the New York City Marathon in Milwaukee. It may have started out that way, but this <laughs> marathon began in New York City and to this day is still going on in New York City. It's quite a run they're having, frankly. <laughs> All right. Pepper needs new shorts. Uh, so. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. (laughs) So yeah, so Rick and I took part in the 2016 New York City Marathon. As Rick mentioned, 1970 was the first year. It's only ever not happened twice, and that was during Hurricane Sandy, which unfortunately, you know, we grew up in an area devastated by Sandy, so we get that. And then this year with COVID, um, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about our experience in the New York City Marathon because it is in November. And um, for those of you that um, that uh, want to know what the race the race looks like, we start. It's all five boroughs, and that's what makes this race so unique is you start at the bottom of the Verrazano's, Verrazano Bridge in Staten Island, and that's considered your start. So you start there, so you check, off Staten, you check off Staten Island as the borough, 
And then you cross over the Verrazano Bridge, beautiful views, beautiful views, uh, crystal clear day, as I recall. You could actually see the Jersey Shore where we're from, which was a lot of fun. And then you go into Brooklyn for like 13 miles, like half of the race is in Brooklyn. <laughs> and it's fun. It's a blast. We'll get into that in a minute. You come up. You go over into uh, you go over uh, into Queens, so you go slightly into Queens. So you, and then you come over and you come into Manhattan, and then you shoot up Manhattan on First Ave, and you go up to the Bronx, and then you come back and you finish in Central Park. Um, pretty epic course, a lot of fun. I've ran seven marathons. This was Rick's first ever marathon and probably only marathon. Yeah, I think I'm one and done on the marathons, Rob. This was definitely one to check off the list and a great sporting event to be a part of. I was not in the front of the race by any means, but I was happy to be a part of the 50,000 finishers that day. And what a glorious memory running the New York City Marathon was. Let's talk about our preparation yeah. for this grueling 26-mile yeah. endeavor. Well, we got started with it. How you get into the New York City Marathon is you either qualify based on your time at a previous marathon or half marathon or another race that gets you in as a qualifier. We did not do that. No. Both of us did not qualify. The second way to get in is to be a part of a fundraising team, which we were. We were fundraising for Tuesday's Children, which has to do with 9-11 uh, you know, uh, children of 9-11 victims and all that. So amazing charity, amazing work. Shout out to Chris Mergenthaler on that one. Definitely tag him in this. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, raised some money, did a good deed. Um, and uh, we were excited to be a part of the marathon. Uh, in preparation to it, leading up to the race, um, Rick, how much training did you do? Well, it's not really about the training. It's really about more the focus, the mentality, getting in that mindset for this marathon yeah. not a sprint yeah. but really a marathon yeah. and mm -hmm. so in preparation for it you really don't um at what i was trying to do just mentally gear up for this thing uh physically i, I i'm a freak athlete a specimen of nature and really d3 football player here that's correct that's correct that's just what i did special teams captain uh-huh now when it came to this marathon, You're I'm special. I've, I've annually raced in the local 5K charity race where we grew up. Uh, I felt as though that gave me a little bit of a background into how to pace yourself, how to sure. have that stamina, sure, and uh, just to hydrate and the nutrition. And you watched a lot of film, right? You watched a lot of film in preparation for this race. I tried to go back and look at previous years' marathons, really understand how those folks from Kenya and Africa, where they just, you know, make their turn into the victory lane. Um, I didn't get a chance to really experience what they experienced, but um, we started out at the same spot and yeah, yeah. ended at the same spot. Yeah. My time was just a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer. So if you guys haven't realized, Rick put no training into this marathon whatsoever, did not run, did not do anything. He ran a 5K in October, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that was about it for the entire year. So this man showed up zero training whatsoever. I myself did not train very little at all for this. Um, but granted, I've done I've done marathons before. I know how it goes. I know how the pacing goes. I know that you just kind of tough it out. I go mile by mile. You'll finish it. Um, you know, so so I came in with a lot of that. Rick, Rick came in with a lot of gusto. Um, I will say one thing that was a dead giveaway that you were a newbie was um, everybody wears these uh, ear 
AirPods and like, you know, uh, small, uh, you know, headphones. And Rick was coming in with the, uh, the Bose headphones beats that just look like, you know, you're in the studio. Um, so that was pretty hilarious to me, but well, I wanted to drown out all the sound too. I didn't want to have any extra noise as I was just dialed in on what I had to do that day. Uh, so those noise canceling headphones, courtesies of, uh, the beats company. Uh, Did you get sponsored by that? It wasn't necessarily a sponsorship. I think like we actually had to, I'd buy those headphones, but, um, they were on me as I ran the race. So, uh, you could consider that some sort of advertisement fee that, I am owed. <laughs> I, right. think they, I think they messed up the address. They're, they're still waiting on the mail. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> let's talk about this, Rob. Let's, let's talk about this. So before the race began, we actually had to go into the city a couple days beforehand at the Javits Center, where they are giving out all of your badges, the uh, actual bibs, know, bibs that you're wearing during the race with your number on it. Uh, they give you a nice commemorative t-shirt, I think like a little swag bag. And they had like a little convention going on of different um, fundraisers and uh, partners of the event. So that was kind of neat to actually go in a couple days before, collect what we had to collect. Um, and then you and I spent the day, I remember a couple of days before the race, going to different places in New York City, not necessarily on the route of the uh, marathon, but we were decked out in shirts that were the classic I Heart NY, uh, which are just uh, iconic for New York City. We had those in our bibs on. We got some great photos okay. down at Wall Street with the Bull, the Madison Square Garden, the World Trade Center, all these Empire Brooklyn, State Building, you name Radio it. City uh, Music Hall, Late Night with uh, Stephen Colbert, uh, Rockefeller every- Center, Rockefeller Center. You know, all over the place, and uh, if you're gonna do it right, enjoy the experience, and that's the tip I would give. If you're gonna do a marathon, whether it be Boston, New York, Chicago, get in there early, take pictures, enjoy, enjoy the uh, the city, um, and really take it all in because uh, you know during the race, it's a it's a grueling grueling race, and you know pretty much when it's all said and done, you want to get the hell out of there. Yeah, race day is a work day. You got your head down. There is little enjoyment, frankly, as a participant on race day. It's really leading up to it and then maybe uh, weeks after reflecting on how great of an experience it was because your body's going to hurt for a few days after. Now we have to walk the listeners through the night before and the morning of because um, so for this race, it's 50,000. It's the I think it's the most attended marathon in the country, maybe maybe the world. I don't know, but I think the country it's the largest in the country. A um, lot of preparation, a lot of security measures go into this. So, uh, you know, the way that it works in this marathon, because there's 50,000, you know, if you do a localized marathon, they'll stagger your starts. Somebody will start at eight o'clock and then the next corral goes out at 810 and then 815 and then 820 and all that stuff. And then everyone's out by like 830 in like a local marathon. But because of the capacity of this, like you have corrals starting at 7 a.m., and then uh, the last corral is at like 12 o'clock. Um, but what happens is because of the security measures, you have to be at the base of the Verrazano Bridge in Staten Island. It's called, uh, it's a fort. It's a military base there. You have to be in this military base compound by like seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. 
Um, even if you don't go off until 12 o'clock, you need to be at this facility because they're not going to let people in. And they got everything set up there. They got Dunkin' Donuts stands. They got bathrooms, Porta Johns, all this stuff. They got Jumbotrons. They have barrels of hay and hay on the ground. So you can just lie on the ground and relax and hang out with people, get some coffee, whatever, all that good stuff. But we stayed at a, at a, you know, a house in Staten Island. I'm not going to get too into it, but we stayed in Staten Island, woke up at about three o'clock in the morning. And uh, it took us like an hour to drive about two miles because of how much traffic was there. And we got dropped off around like what, five or six in the morning at this corral station. It's true. Kudos to all the folks that set up and organized the New York City Marathon because they had it down to a science. As Rob indicated, we were on Staten Island the night before. We slept for several hours and then rose early in the morning because we had to get to the bridge to get dropped off before they shut everything down. Once they started shutting everything down, you wouldn't be able to get to where you the starting spot is for participants. So you're right, Rob, we were there. It was frigid. The sun had not come up yet. We grabbed some Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, we found a pile of hay and I just remember laying down and probably sleeping for another two you, hours. You were face down in the hay and I took a picture of you and I sent it to friends and just going, do you think this is before or after the race? <laughs> I did look pretty dead. I'm not going to lie. I saw that photo. And uh, we weren't in the beginning corrals. Now, you, with your experience, probably could have gone off a corral or two earlier than myself. Um, let's just call it 830. You probably could have gone off my corral because of my inexperience was more in the realm of 1030 a.m. Correct. So, Rob, you stuck it out. You were a trooper. We, as brothers, did start the New York City Marathon together. Uh, we started up there, top level of the Verrazano Bridge on You Said It, a picture-perfect morning. No, hold on, hold on. Fact check you here. It was the bottom level. They weren't letting people go on the top, but the only top people that went were the actual, like, Kenyans and all that. I'm going to disagree because no. I believe that I ran on the upper level. Uh, no, 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 you, you did not. We both ran on the on the lower level. Mm -hmm. I remember because it was very cold because there was no sun on the Verrazano, but it was still really cool to look at the. Uh, Maybe yeah. I had already blacked you, out at that you point. You might have blacked out, might have blacked out. So so uh, I got to take it from here, at least for this little portion to walk you through. We're going to walk you through the race. Uh, you know, 26 miles, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in and you don't factor it in. But you know, you think Manhattan, you think New York City, oh, it's flat. It's not like Colorado or anything like that, where you know there's probably going to be mountains there. You think it's flat. It's not. It's deceptively hilly. And the big thing is the bridges. Like, you don't realize driving over the Verrazano Bridge all the time, you don't realize how much of an incline and decline that is. That is serious incline. That is like, that was, my legs were getting like, were, were I couldn't believe like how much of an incline it was. And prior to that, though, right before race time, you know, what happens is you're wearing all these clothes and clothes that you don't care about. You have sweat, old sweatshirts from 10 years ago, uh, sweatpants from 10 years ago. You don't care about them. You're going to throw them to the side. and Because it's cold. Because it's freezing. You, you know, you're staying warm. And, uh, and, and everybody declothes, but every human knows to throw them off to the side. I look at Rick, who has a sweatshirt, a hoodie, a hat on, uh, two, two layers of pants, and he just takes them off and just puts them right smack down at his feet with like 50,000 people, 40,000 people behind him that had still have to go. And I'm like, Rick, what are you doing? 
people are gonna trip all over this on 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 mile zero. They're gonna twist their ankle. That was my bad. That was my bad. Shout out to all those runners there. That was my bad. I didn't understand how it all worked. It was my first marathon. I was real giddy, just focused on the race. I threw them to the side of the bridge. Yeah, you did actually throw my clothes pretty much off the Verrazano Bridge. No, I didn't do that, but yeah. So you start on the Verrazano. It was very hilly, and that was the last I saw of you, Rick. You know, we started together. We did not end together. Um, I couldn't keep up with that, uh, that uh, you know, vapor pace of yours. Yeah, I ran, for the pace. record, I ran in six hours. This man ran in four hours. So uh, we probably both could have shaved off time on our marathons had there not been that interaction with the crowd. And Rob, as you go through and start to tell people about the route and just a little bit more about the actual race itself, what was so cool, at least for me, I was so impressed by everywhere you went, almost virtually the entire race, of course, not during the bridges, but uh, virtually every time you were on a road, there were fans, there were people, just human beings cheering on other human beings. Most people didn't know who was running. They just, it was like marathon day, as it's called in New York City. It becomes party-like in all the different boroughs. And you've got people, not just one, two rows deep, but in some cases, five rows deep there's fans with signs cheering you on and they're not even signs that have particular names on them they're just cheering on all the runners supporting one another and uh, also having a great time while doing it yeah it is the best marathon to ever run if you're going to run a marathon sign up with a team fundraise qualify run the new york city marathon unbelievable electric atmosphere the whole time so you, you start in, you start on the Verrazano, you go over the Verrazano, they shut down, I think it's the Brooklyn Queens Expressway right there for like almost the whole day to make sure all these runners get through at least until two o'clock or one o'clock. And you're running on a ramp, you're running on an expressway ramp, you, you, you carve your way through Brooklyn, you're in Brooklyn for 13 miles. Brooklyn to me was like, the, like, was definitely one of my favorite moments because of that you know, you're just starting out. You got all the juice left in the juice box, all the all the gas left in the gas tank. You're having a good time. You're slapping high fives to people. They got bands in the street. There were bands like every block. Like there was a, a rapper on one corner and then there was like a ska band on another. And then there was like another band on another corner. And it was just like corner after corner, tons of bands, electric atmosphere through Brooklyn. You go up over a bridge into, uh, into Queens, still similar atmosphere you're only in queens for a couple of minutes maybe like a mile at the very most and then you come over i believe it's the i believe it's the uh the 59th street bridge it's one of those bridges and it goes right into uh new york city uh sorry manhattan uh from queens and this is like this is one of the best parts of the whole race in my opinion i had so much fun and people told me about this leading up to it they said look brooklyn's electric queens electric People are excited. They're fired up for you. But here's the really interesting thing. You don't have any fans on the bridge. So you have zero fans, zero spectators on the bridge, and it's silent. Silent with exception to hearing breathing and footsteps of everybody running. And you get, you get this silence. And then as soon as you come over that bridge onto First Ave in Manhattan, it is an electric factory. It is, people are screaming, you got bands, it is, and that's where Shelby was, she was holding a sign for me, and I went over and gave her a big hug, 
um, on uh, on First Ave. And I said, hey, be there. That's where I'm coming over this bridge. And it, it just, you know, at that point, you're probably 14 miles in. So you ran a half marathon. So if you're a little tired, you're actually getting juiced up uh, coming over this bridge, which you need um, coming into the back half of the marathon. And again, you don't think there's a hill in, in, in New York City, but you make that turn, you go up First Ave. And when you're going up First Ave, it's a hill. It's an incline all the way up First Ave, all the way into the Bronx. So uh, you run about, I would say, four miles, uh, four miles uphill uh, into, into the Bronx. And the Bronx, uh, which, you know, statistically, mile like 20 to like 23 or four are just, or I would even say 18 to 23 are like brutal miles. Like those are just like, they call it the wall. Um, where runners hit the wall and they have to walk and like, are they like, you know, get just so tired or you bust through it. Um, and, uh, and then the Bronx was giving you no help because it was the, it was the least excited borough of all five boroughs um, with exception of Staten Island. You didn't have too many fans there, but people were excited. Um, the excitement was in the air, uh, but you know, not much love in the Bronx in my personal opinion. And then you come back down after like two miles in the Bronx and you run back down on like sixth or seventh and you, you, you go around the um, uh, Central Park and you finish up in Central Park uh, in, uh, in an epic uh, spot. And it's just like Columbus Circle, place is just rocking. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And yeah, I, uh, I finished it in four hours and, uh, and uh, then Shelby was there and I think somebody else was there. One of our other friends was there and uh, got the medal, uh, you know, got, got all the, uh, the, the bananas and all that stuff and finished, but finished it in four hours. Probably would have carved off some time if uh, I didn't give too many high fives to people and, you know, hug some people along the way. But you know what? I embraced it. I had a great time in the city, Rick. You know, why don't you, why don't you share your, your route? Well, that was fantastic, Rob. I, I, you know, you talked about the wall, hitting the wall. Where, where did you hit the wall? It was in, it was in the Bronx. They literally had, you ran over, I remember it, you ran on a street and there was like some bridge crossing it and it says, welcome to the wall. And it says 22 point something, 22 miles. And that's like technically the wall. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> and I remember I was keeping pace with this, with these two guys from Spain, they were just running at a good pace and you were passing people and it is dangerous in Brooklyn in my, the whole race is pretty dangerous because if you remember, you know, you're, you're running on streets and you're getting handed water and Gatorades and all that. But then those Gatorade cups are kind of like a waxy material and they just compound and you're literally running on them while you're running on asphalt and the water's on the ground and Gatorade's on the ground. Like people were slipping. So you had to avoid people slipping the whole time. And I ended up uh, bumping into these two guys from Spain that this is like their third time doing the marathon. And I didn't know how to pace myself at all. So I was like, Hey, can I just run with you guys? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I stuck with them all the way from mile like three to mile 23 up in uh, coming back through uh, Manhattan. And, uh, and then I was just like, guys, you got to go. I can't, I got to pay. I got to walk right here. And I remember, I remember walking for like, you know, 60 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes and then running again and then pacing my going back and forth. And I distinctly remember somebody just going, suck it the fuck up. <laughs> and I go, 
all right. <laughs> and I take off and I finish like the last two miles. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you're a spectator, those, those are final miles are probably the fun ones to be at as a spectator because that's where you see people on the verge of just like giving up, trying to fight through adversity and either, you know, people <laughs> just probably melt down and just give up or you're there to cheer them on or uh, just inspire them. So I feel like those last maybe third of the race has probably got to be a fun spot to be as a spectator. Also to the beginning part's got to be fun with everybody, you know, excited. I remember at times like on the Verrazano bridge, the first mile of the race, I myself, not necessarily a runner, somebody who hadn't trained for the race yet. I was passing people that gave me the impression there was no way in in any possible situation that they were going to finish the marathon and I was just thinking to myself wow I mean I guess I'm going to do a good job today but I couldn't believe some of these people actually were running in the race because it looked like they had no chance of ever making it to 26 miles and you don't you have a lot of people that do not finish the race DNF do not finish the race yeah and um, you brought up a good point about the cups on the ground that was definitely a thing that I did not know in advance of the marathon but well, I had my eyes out as I tiptoed through certain areas to make sure I didn't fall. Did you have any interesting bathroom situations? Because I actually didn't use the bathroom the entire race. I just ran for six straight hours. Yeah, I used the bathroom. Um, that was early on. I used the bathroom with uh, the, the two Spanish guys went to the bathroom. So then I just jumped in and went into a different porta body. And then we met up right after. And then we just took off. And that was, that was it until the end of the race. Because um, there's stories of folks in these marathons not using the bathrooms but going to the bathroom therefore going to the bathroom while they run that didn't happen to you did it no not in this race but i've done an iron man in my life and i did pee on myself wow. i couldn't get off the bike it was wow. 112 miles and i i peed on myself at like 100 was, that's interesting yeah, that's yeah interesting. It, was, it was basically all water at that point because mm -hmm. i was just drinking a lot of water but anyway i digress i hit a um, wall rob uh, wall? yeah around mile 16 which frankly that was pretty good. I was able to go strong for 16 miles. And then you're right from there on out, it was more of a jog walk, a little burst of a run. And that caused my six hour finish, which is very respectable for someone that's never, ever ran before at a distance. So you shouldn't you. be, you. Uh, you shouldn't be knocking yourself too hard. No, not, but no I just knock. remember you were a little, um, a little uh, taken aback when you saw the photo of me finishing and there was daylight. And when you finished, it was uh, pitch dark. I, it was pitch black when I wrapped up the race, Rob. And it was almost as if like folks were like breaking down the barricades as if the race was like, hey, let's wrap this up. We got to reopen the roads for road traffic. Uh, come on, pick it up a little bit, pal. It was almost, it was borderline that position that I was in. Um, you know, it was all fun and games. I had a great time, but it was a very challenging thing, both mentally and physically. Uh, as you mentioned, when you come, come across that race in Central Park, the finish line, they give you the medal, you get like this, this silverly like sheet that you put on yourself, like a tarp to kind of like keep your body heat in, you know, yeah. more of the science yeah. than I do. Science, bro. Uh, I remember getting that and uh, a couple pieces of fruit. But then like, as you may have mentioned earlier in this podcast, I was ready to get the heck out of there. Like I'm done. Done. I'm, I'm, I'm cold because i've been sweating all day the temperatures it was a beautiful day it might have touched 55 60 degrees that day yeah but then it dropped down to like 40 oh it was definitely in the 40s by the time 5 p.m 6 p.m rolled around mm -hmm. and i'm in central park 
at night in the dark by myself, absolutely exhausted. And I just assumed that Central Park strange strangler coming at you. Well, I didn't assume that, but I thought to myself, you know what? I could just Uber, take a taxi to uh, Penn Station, which isn't too far away. And then I could um, hop on a train ride one way back to where we live about an hour and a half south uh, along the Jersey Shore. But it turns out that was, in fact, the way I got home, but with one little minor detail. So I'll just tell this funny quick story and then we'll wrap this podcast episode up in regards to the New York City Marathon. I get done. The cab situation was not either well-labeled or they were already all gone. So there was no physical car for me to get into. Uh, I didn't have my phone. There was no like Uber situation that was going on. I think your phone died. I don't know what happened, Rob. But at this point, the deal was I'll meet you back at the house. You get home the way you get home and I'll get home the way I get home. And I did have a little bit of money on me. And truthfully, I was so exhausted. Like I was ready to do anything to get from Central Park to Madison Square Garden, Penn Station. And lo and behold, I was walking a little bit. I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to walk. And then like, I was just like, my body's going to give out on me. I can't keep walking. And there was a rickshaw, Rob, a rickshaw in New York City. Like an episode out of Seinfeld. I felt like I was in Seinfeld. And this rickshaw guy, you know, they're very, they're very pushy, antsy. They want you to hop on their rickshaw. And that's exactly what happened. And you know what? I hopped on the man's rickshaw. I said, take me to Penn Station. Just get me there. And for one reason, it was a terrible idea. There's no uh, car situation. You're not in any protective situation when it comes to the elements and the air. So here we are on this rickshaw. This man is huffing it down the streets, weaving, bobbing in and out of traffic. It was a little terrifying in that regard, but also it was even more frigid because the cold air was like I was outdoors in a convertible with the top down. (laughs) It was brutal. Like I was just like totally like ready to die at that point. And then if that's not bad enough, I get off the rickshaw and I go to pay the guy for the, for the fare. And as I'm paying, like cops just jump out of nowhere at Penn station. Apparently there's like an underground rickshaw situation going on in New York city where they're just ripping off their riders. And I was a victim as the police felt and they were like tackling my driver. They pulled me aside. Like I am on one battery ounce of energy left before I pass out. And I'm like, this has never happened to me. So I'm like, where am I? What's going on? And I'm like, I just want to go home. Take, here's my money. Here's what I have. Just, I got to go. And that's exactly what happened, Rob. Um, Like these cops were like trying to detain, detain this guy. I don't know if he was taking advantage of me or not. I don't know what the true rickshaw fare is from Central Park to Penn Station. But nonetheless, I haven't been on a rickshaw since. And I hopped on a train. It was funny that day. It was a Sunday, as we talked about, first Sunday in November. I hop on a train. It's an hour and a half long train ride. And it was funny because we were leaving Penn Station and the New York Giants had a home football game that Sunday afternoon. And there were two people from our town. It was a father-son duo that uh, had been at the Giants game. I was on the train. I looked like I had just been beat up and just totally disheveled. And these guys, they come up to me and they're like, 
hey, you all right, man? You, uh, you don't look all right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I just ran the race. And luckily, by the time we got back down, Rob, to uh, our neighborhood, uh, there was still a little bit of walk from the train station to our house. These guys were kind enough to give me a car ride from the train station to our house, because otherwise, I may have died back in our hometown, not in New York City that day. <laughs> it was it was a long day for me. I remember you telling me that story of like the family seeing you and like the uh, the son who you've known for a long time just goes, hey, I think I just saw Rick Brandt. He looked like he just got mugged. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and then the dad comes over and goes, Frank, you okay, man? <laughs> he goes, I just ran the New York City Marathon. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Gilson and his son. Great guys and uh, appreciated that ride still to this day, many years later. That's the New York City Marathon. That's the Brothers Brand experience. And for all you listeners out there, definitely, if you can, when we get back past this COVID situation, to do a marathon, look into doing the New York City Marathon. Rob, you got anything else? That is a happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there. Hope you guys stay safe. Hope you stay well. Um, and, uh, you know, excited for more episodes to come. We're just getting rolling with this thing. That's right. For everybody out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt. And we, we are, are the, the Brothers Brandt. Brandt.